are in this series of I only had, and it's the blank, and it's the fill in the blank. And so we, we started last week by looking at this idea, if I only had more time. I, I'm, I'm actually kind of curious. I, I don't know if anybody would even admit this this morning, but, but I'm going to ask you anyways. Is, is, is there anybody that, that, that you got here, and then you realized that time had changed on you? Was there anybody? You know, because you know, when, when I was younger, what we ended up having to do is we had to manually set our clocks forward, right? We just had to, we had to do it. We had to think ahead. We had to plan. And, you know, we had, we had to do that. And then sometimes you, you were late to church or something else on Sunday because you forgot. And, like, now you, you don't even have to remember, right? We're using our phones for our alarms. And, you know, everything's just automatically set. And so I was just kind of curious. And probably some of you guys are going, I'm just not willing to admit it. But I bet you there's some people that are here that are going, I knew I was tired this morning when I got up. I couldn't believe how quickly it came. Well, we looked at this idea of if I only had more time. And, and what I shared with you is that, that normally we all get 1,440 minutes. Today we're only getting 1,380. But, but we normally get 1,440 minutes a day. But time, it's the great equalizer. Because, see, we're all given, we all get just the same amount of time every day. And that, that we have to be people that, that we end up choosing the way that we're going to spend our time. That, that is our choice. And, and so what ends up happening is we, as we go through life, that, that we get the invitations, we get the opportunities. Sometimes we get the demands that are coming our way. And whenever these end up happening, we usually respond with, with, with one of two ways. We respond with, I don't have time for that. Or sometimes we look at it and go, that's pretty important. Maybe it's important for you, and, and so I need to make sure it happens, or, or maybe it was important for me. And so we end up responding like this, that, that I'll make time for that. But the problem is, we can't make time. We do not have the ability to make time. And so what we do is we choose to take time. And, and we choose to take time based on what is it that we find that is important in this moment that I'm going to do. For every yes that you give your time to, there will be some no's somewhere else. And, and so we have to understand when, when time keeps getting away from us that, that we need to be looking at, at this thing called time and go, how do I make the most of it? What is it that I need to do so that I can manage my time? And I, and I shared with you guys Four time audit questions. There's these four questions that, that we could be asking, and if certainly if, if time seems to be getting away from us, these are questions that, that we should all be asking. Why do I say yes to opportunities that require my time? It's one of these time audit questions. Well, why is it? Why, why do I say yes to opportunities that require my time? Next question what, What's the worst that could happen? If I say no, because we're looking at it, and we're trying to figure out what, what's the worst that could happen. Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to lose this relationship? Am I going to be extremely late? What, what, what's, what's the worst that could happen if I say no? And then on the flip side, third question, well, what's the best that could happen if I say yes? I think that might be the, the, the more important question because most of us don't end up asking that one. And that we should be going, hey, well, what's going to be the best possible outcome? Is it really going to be worth me saying yes based on what the best possible outcome could be? And that fourth question is what really matters most? 
that, that we would be asking this. And these are the things that we ask when it comes to having this, this time audit question. Because the truth is, the way that we spend our time, it's going to reveal what matters most to us. The way that we spend our time, we are showing others what matters most to us. Now, before we leave this whole idea of time, now would be a good time for me to just share with you that, that we have actually ended our Monday night church service. That, that we actually ended that more than a week ago. And we ended that, and it was a difficult decision. And one of the things that made this decision so difficult and so painful is because some of the people that we had reached on Monday night, our Sunday times don't work for them. But the reason that we ended up pulling the plug is because we just weren't gaining traction. In fact, we, we had less people than, than when we started. And, and we were not gaining traction. We were actually losing traction. And when we started looking at, at the, just the volunteer workload, that we were having one volunteer for every two people that were showing up. And so it was. It was a very painful decision to make. And, and so when we pulled the plug on that, we knew that, you know what, we're still going to have to end up doing a service to be able to create more room and create more space. It's time change. It's spring break weekend. You can look around and go, we've got plenty of room. And in, and in our kids' ministries, they might be feeling that way this morning too. But, but on a normal, regular day, well, that we are, we're, we're struggling with having enough space in our environments. We're, we're, we're working hard on getting more space to our kids. We're months away from being able to give them more square footage, and that's going to be great. But, but we've got to find a way to be able to continue to, to reach more people and be able to create more space. And so one of the things that we're talking about is that, that we anticipate that we're going to be adding a third Sunday service. That, that we don't know exactly when. The, the kind of the thought right now is before fall, at the very end of summer, when there's the next surge, we, we anticipate that that would be the time that we're going to be doing it. And then we also anticipate this, but you're going to have to listen closely on this one. This is just something we're discussing. I don't, I don't want anybody walking away and going, what did he say the new times were? Does that start next week? I'm just telling you what we're thinking. I'm just giving you a heads up. That, that one of the things that we're considering in order for us to do these three back-to-back -back services on Sunday is that, that we would do a 9 o'clock, a 10.30, and a noon service. That, that we're just going to shift around some things to be able to do three in a row. Again, we, we've not made any decisions, and that's not happening. There's no time changes yet on that. But I just want you to be in the know of some of the things that we're thinking. In fact, I even welcome some feedback if, if you want to kind of share with me and just share with me some of your thoughts on that. But we just know that we've got to continue to keep creating more space so that we can continue to reach more people. So we're going to talk today about if I, if I only had more friends. That, that if I only had more friends. That, that we live in a world and in a time where we are more connected than ever before. And, and you would think that, that in this time of being more connected than, than ever before, that, that friendships would be deeper and that friendships would be on the rise, but instead what we are finding is that we are experiencing an epidemic of loneliness. Is what's happening in our world, in our society right here in America. And there's this epidemic of loneliness. It's, it's affecting teenagers. It's affecting single adults. It's affecting married adults. It's affecting senior adults. And that there is this epidemic 
of loneliness. And more people report feeling lonely. That they report feeling lonely from a moderate to a severe level at three different stages of life is when this happens the most. Late 20s, mid 50s, and late 80s. Those are the the three times that it seems to rise to the surface the most, that there are more people in these periods of time, their late 20s, their, their, their early 50s, and their late 80s is where they are feeling this. And loneliness, it, it does not mean being alone. It's not what loneliness is. The loneliness, <clears throat> it doesn't mean that, that you don't have friends. So there are people that, that they're not alone. There are people that they have friends and they are feeling lonely. And loneliness, it is subjective. It, it, it's about what is it and how is it affecting an individual person with what's going on in their life. So Dr. Jest, a researcher, and he's the director of San Diego Center for Healthy Aging, he has said this, loneliness is defined by subjective distress. That's just how he said, that that, that when somebody's feeling, that there is this distress that has taken over, and it's very subjective. And loneliness is the discrepancy between the relationships you want and the relationships you have. That's what loneliness, it's this discrepancy between, well, here's the relationships that I have, but these are the relationships that I want. And, and this discrepancy in between the two is, is where so many are finding themselves feeling and being lonely. One of the former Surgeon Generals has gone on record as stating that there is a reduced lifespan from loneliness. And he likens the reduced lifespan of loneliness to being similar to smoking 15 packs of cigarettes a day. That can start to get in our mind and understand just how serious and severe loneliness is. And I think that social media is actually, instead of helping us, it's hurting us. And, 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 and social media, I, th- I think one of the ways that it is hurting us is, is it is keeping on the forefront of our thoughts this fear of missing out FOMO it just keeps it on the forefront that, that people are feeling that this fear of missing out as they're looking to social media people feel like well I don't I don't belong I I, I thought I was part of the group and oh look they're together and look at the photo I, I, I didn't get invited I, I didn't get to be part of and and now there's a sense of, of missing out there, there's a sense of that, that I, I, don't, I don't fit in I don't have my own group. That They've got a group, and they've got a group, and they've got a group, and I don't, I don't have a group. It's the sense sometimes that for some people it's, I see all, of, I, I, was, I was the only one that wasn't invited. That, that it's hurting us instead of helping us. 
Social media is convenient, but it isn't complete. It's convenient. It's a convenient way to to look and see and see what's going on with people that, that we've done life with, maybe people we are doing life with. It is convenient, but it is not complete. And social media, at best, should be a supplement to our relationships, not a substitute for relationships. And when it is just a substitute, it contributes to our loneliness. There's a difference between loneliness and aloneness. There's a difference. See, see, aloneness is defined as, as the choice to be alone. That, that, that that's when somebody's choosing to say, hey, I want to be alone. You, 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 hey, leave me alone. You know, we, we've done it all, right? It, hey, I just need my time. I, I, I need some alone time. That, that's aloneness. But, but loneliness is different. It's, it's described this way. It's unwanted social isolation. That's loneliness. It's this unwanted social isolation. However, reestablishing into a relationship is something that we can all do. And, and, and when it comes to loneliness, loneliness is something that can lead to some, some more serious issues. It can lead to these serious issues of mood disorders and severe depression. But yet when we start to get reconnected with people and get back into relationship with people, it can reverse the effects and the harms that have happened with loneliness. And we were never meant to live without relationships. We weren't. We were never meant to live without relationships. Interesting, in, in preparing for this and, and just doing some research, I, I decided I'd, I'd look up and, and, and try to research some of the effects and, and some of the studies that, that they've discovered when it comes to solitary confinement. That, 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 that what does that look like? What does that end up doing? How, how does that affect people's psyche? And so, so in looking for this and trying to figure out how they were researching this, it, it's hard to find information on this. But, but what I did found is I found that, that, that researchers, that they found very little, very little to suggest that extended isolation is good for mental health. That, that there's just very little evidence out there that says, hey, just choose to be socially isolated and it's going to be better for you. One of the studies that I found was from the 50s. It was done by the University of Wisconsin. And the research psychologist, Dr. Harlow, what he did is he placed monkeys in a custom-designed solitary chamber. And, and, and they named this solitary chamber the Pit of Despair. That's what they named it. And this Pit of Despair, how they built it is they built it as a reverse pyramid. That's how they built this thing. And then they put all, all of the walls on this reverse pyramid were, were, were put, coated with this slick surface so that the monkey that would be put inside of the pit of despair, 
It wouldn't have the ability to try to climb its way out. And so they begin to monitor and try to figure out, hey, well, what goes on with these monkeys when they are in the pit of despair? And after just two days, every monkey, some of them just after one, they assumed a hunched over position just sitting at the very bottom of the pit of despair and just hunched, looking defeated. The conclusion was that each monkey determined that they were hopeless. I'm isolated and I am hopeless. One of the things Dr. Harlow found is he found that the monkeys that, that were kept in, in this isolation, that they wound up what he called profoundly disturbed. Being left and confined in the social isolation, that they would be staring blankly, that they would, they would just rock in place. When they were returned back to an individual cage outside of the pit of despair, that they, they would just walk circles constantly around their cage. And they would even begin to self-mutilate themselves. All of this from having been into forced isolation. He said that most of these monkeys, when they were put back with others, that they actually were able to readjust. The only exceptions that they found were the monkeys that, that they kept in the pit of despair for more than 12 months. They were not able to recover socially. They reached a point of no return. Trying to find where, where there were studies on, on, on people. Well, how does this affect people? What, what's going on with people? I, I could only find one. And it's from the similar time period. It was actually in 1951, and it was researchers at McGill University. And what they did is, is they paid a group of male graduate students. And, and, and I think the reason why it's so hard to find these is because most universities, most research, they would never consent to a study of, of isolating people for extended periods of time. But yet they, they took some of these graduate students that are already trying to study these effects and said, hey, we'll pay you if, if you'll do this study, this isolation study. And so they, these, these guys, they, they agreed. And so they, they put them in, in, in an individual room with just a bed. That was it. There was nothing else other than a bed. And whenever they were have to use the restroom, they, they would get to leave the room to go to the restroom, and, and that was it, and they would come back. But they would keep them isolated for that. In order to try to make sure that, that they were having this sense of having sensory deprivation, what they did with these guys is that they put goggles that were blacked out over their eyes. They, they put earmuffs on them to try to keep them from hearing anything. And, and then they put gloves on them to keep them from having a, a sense of, of touch. Just trying to all of this isolation and, and this research that they wanted to do, they set out and they told everybody that we're going to do this for six weeks. And we're just going to observe what the effects are and what happens here. Nobody lasted more than seven days. They were going crazy. Literally going crazy. They, they, they were hallucinating. That they were going crazy, that they actually couldn't even think 
in, in the silence and in the quietness, they couldn't even keep their thoughts clear. And they discovered that we were never meant to be without relationships. All of the study, all of the research, that, that we were never meant to be without relationships. And when I think about that, you don't have to have a, a research grant. You don't have to be somebody that, that you would be a test subject in order to understand that we were never meant to do life apart from relationships with people. In fact, if you were to just open up your Bible and to begin reading from the very beginning, you wouldn't chew through too many words before you saw God sharing this very truth. Let's look at it together. It's in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. So here's the context. The context is, is that God had created everything. And he created it in the order that that the very last thing that he created was Adam. Humanity. And, and Adam had even been assigned. I, I want you to, to name all the animals. And he's doing this. He's in the Garden of Eden. The most perfect place that's ever existed on earth. Adam, at this point in his life, had never sinned. And yet God, God said this. It is not good for man to be alone. Then he said, I will make a helper who is just right for him. And what was that help? It was another human being. Because we were never meant to live life outside of relationships. God knew it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. And here's the thing, that, that feeling lonely doesn't mean there is something wrong with you. You might be here today and you might be one of these people, you're going... I, I just, I feel so lonely. It doesn't mean that there is something wrong with you. God knew that Adam needed a companion. God knew that, that Adam, that, that what he needed, he needed a friend. God knew that Adam needed a relationship. God knew this. And in, re and in this regard, you and I aren't any different than Adam. That, that we all need companionship, friendship, relationship. We all need this. And sometimes we might get to the place where we feel so lonely, this unwanted isolation, social isolation. We're going, I just, I just need a friend. And we're like going, is, is there some kind of prime shipping option? Can I, just, can I just get a friend tomorrow? 
Can, 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 I, just order, can I just get that? Because I, I need it and I need it. I, I so want it. But there isn't a prime shipping option. We can't shop online for a best friend and expect next day delivery. It just doesn't happen. Great friendships, they aren't assembled overnight. They're assembled over time. From the way that we spend our time together. So maybe you're thinking, okay, well, then, then, then where, where, where do I start? Well, I want to call your attention to friendship focus. Friendship focus. That, that, that where do we start? Where, where are we going to focus? Because, see, I, I think when it comes to this friendship focus, that, that, that one of the places that, that we're going to start is we're going to start with this idea right here getting a great friend and that we will we're going to focus on this we're going to put all of our effort and our energy we're, we're searching high we're searching low what what can i do to to get a great friend and, and you know you, you no no not you uh, okay yeah you you look like a good you know what, what we we do and, and we're just looking and searching because we just want to get a great friend but that focus it's probably not going to work very well for you. There's a whole lot better focus. That, that, that if we just change our focus and, and, and look deeper, there, there's something else that's better for us to focus on, and it's this. This idea right here, let's look at this. Being a great friend. That, that, that when it comes to a friendship focus... If, if you're somebody that you want to have a great friend, you want to have great friendships, you can't focus on getting great friends and expect great results. But if you will focus on being a great friend, then you are more likely to get the result of having great friendships. And you and I, we are invited to be a friend of God. And that's a great friendship to have. But we also need, in this lifetime, we need friendship with others. But I want us to look at something together that, that Jesus shared with his disciples. This is going to be in John chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 9. He said, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. He's, he's sharing this, this deep love. The, the kind of love that, that the Heavenly Father has for me is the kind of love that I have for you. He says, when you obey my commandments, because yes, he's there and he wants to be their friend, but he's God. He's the Son of God. He says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and I remain in his love. That there's something about when we keep obeying God that, that keeps us connected and feeling and knowing and experiencing his love. Verse 11. 
I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. You don't just have to have the joy that you would have on your own. I'm going to fill you with, Jesus is saying, I'm going to fill you with, with my joy. And he says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. That, that what we begin to see in here is we begin to see the, the makings of, of great friends when, when we understand some of the things that Jesus is saying here. And then he says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Which is exactly what Jesus did. That he laid down. His life wasn't taken from him. That, that, if, that if that's your understanding, you haven't thoroughly understood the Gospels. Because Jesus willingly gave his life. He could have stopped it at any moment. And he didn't. Because he was giving his life as a ransom payment for our sins. Well, I want us to look at great friends and, and, and specifically to look at six attributes of great friends. What's it going to take for me to, to be a great friend? And so great friends take initiative. They take initiative. That Jesus took the initiative of, of leaving heaven and coming to earth for our benefit. That Jesus took the initiative of, of introducing himself to these disciples that he invited to come along beside him and partner with him in ministry. These guys that he ends up calling his friends. You might be thinking, um, I'd settle for just having a friend. I, I, I'd settle for that. I, I don't have great friends, but I don't even have friends. I would just settle for having friends. And I would tell you, but that's actually where great friends start. You don't start in a great friendship. You start in a friendship. And some of these friendships will turn into great friendships. But you start by taking initiative. But I want to tell you about two different opportunities for you to, to take some initiative to be able to initiate the potential of you having some more friends. One of those is very specific. It's to our men. That, that every month, uh, our men's ministry, we call it Forge, and, and our men's ministry, they, they do this thing called 3M. Men, meal, and a message. And, and we're going to be doing that a week from today. We're going to be doing men, meal, and a message. And it's going to be focused on the March Madness and, and putting a bracket together. We're going to be having a, a guest speaker. It's, it's just going to be a great time. But, and, 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 and our men, no, Gary, who leads us up, and, and some of the guys are helping them. They're like going, hey, what, what can we do to get guys here? Food. <laughs> and they, they've been doing great with the food that they keep doing. And, and it's going to be pulled pork, and it's going to be amazing. And so, guys, that, that would just be a great way. For you to just go, hey, let me take some initiative and, and let, me, let, me, let me see what I could be doing just to begin to, to meet some guys, just to, just to start to initiate a friendship. That by, by the end of the evening, that, that one, we'll, we'll have tables out and you'll be able to have table discussions and just meet some people. 
but by the end of the evening, we're actually put you in a, in a small group and, and where you'll get to, to talk with some other guys. It would be great. Let me tell you about another one because we want to be equal opportunity, so it's not just about men. So, so women, our, our bling ministry. That's our women's ministry, and, and they're having what they call their, their spring swap. They do this annually, and, and the spring swap, it's a week from Friday. Not this Friday, but the following Friday. And, and, and what's great is you can look around your house and go, these are things I'm not using anymore, and these are things I don't want anymore, and, and, and take five items, and, and you bring them up, and, and you're going to swap them out. You're going to bring them here. And then you're going to look for some things that somebody else is going, hey, we're, we don't have a use for this anymore at our house. And, and it's just going to be a swap. But, but let, me, let me let you in on a secret. Don't, don't let the leaders of Bling know that I'm telling you this, okay? They don't do this because they've just kind of been trying to figure, we've got to solve a problem. There are women that have all this stuff in their home that they've got to figure out a way to get rid of. And there are women that they need some more stuff. And, and, and they, need, they need new, but they can't really afford it. And so we've got to do this. And, and that's why, that, that's really not why they do it. They do it for relationship. They do it so that, so that you can come up and you can just begin to, to interact with some women. So, so that you could just begin and start having a connection. Maybe you already got the connection with some, and it's just going to be a great way for you to come up here and, and reconnect with some because life's too busy, and, and you need an organized thing to be able to come to to be able to, to feed those relationships. But see, that's about taking initiative and where you can get some traction there. They're easy, entry-level ways for you to start a friendship. Another one, great friends, they add value to others. They add value to others. That the good friends, they do it. They make others better because they add value. I, I was, I met somebody just last week. They, they didn't even, it was outside of church. They didn't know what I did for a living. And, and, and they started talking to me. And what, what she specifically said to me is, is she said, my, my husband of 26 years has just told me he wants a divorce. And, and I'm hearing this, and I'm just, I'm just crushed. And, and I asked, well, I said, are you from here? She goes, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm from the Dallas area. But I used to live around here. But I came in for the weekend because I had a friend that said, hey, why don't you just come on down so that I can love on you? See, that's what great friends do. They add value. And see, when a relationship gets taken from you, you don't just lose the relationship. You lose a part of who you are. You lose some of your own value. And that's why we need these great friends that are going to keep adding back value to our lives. A third thing that great friends, they choose to be present. They choose to be present. They choose to stay involved. They choose to be tuned in to the conversations. Another thing about great friends is great friends, they speak truth with grace. They don't speak truth with venom, but they speak truth with grace. That they don't endorse any and everything that you say, hey, I'm thinking about doing that, what do you think? It's, they'll be honest with you, but they'll do it with grace. And great friends... They quickly 
forgive. Because see, when you have a great friend, it means you're going to be spending time together. And the more time we keep spending with people, the more opportunity we have that we're going to mess up. We're going to end up hurting them. And great friends, they quickly forgive. Forgiveness, it's that lubrication that every relationship needs. And great friends are quick to forgive. And the last one is great friends make sacrifices. They make sacrifices. They give up something for others that they love and care about deeply. These are the attributes of great friends. And friendships, they're important. And great friends, that they appreciate you for who you are. Not, not what you can do for them. And so if today, if, if you're that person that's thinking, if I only had more friends, and you're feeling that sense of loneliness, instead of waiting for a great friend to come along, be the greatest friend others will ever have. Don't just wait. Take that initiative and be the greatest friend others would ever have. What if you were a great friend? Well, what if you were a great friend in your marriage? What if you were a great friend in your workplace? What if you were a great friend on your team, your collaborative team that, that you're on and you're part of? What if you were a great friend to a neighbor? What if you were a great friend in your small group? What, what would happen? If you were to be a great friend, I'll leave you with this question. If you were an even greater friend, how much more rewarding would your relationships be? You might already be a great friend. And so if you were an even greater friend, how much more rewarding would your relationships be? Maybe you're right now, you're just at a place, you're just a friend. And if you were an even greater friend and you were to become that great friend, how much more rewarding would your relationships be? We can all be a great friend. And it starts by taking initiative. Pray with me. God, there are some people in here that they have great friendships. And I pray that you would protect those. I, I, I pray that you would grow those. And God, for, for people that are in this room, people that are listening online, I, I pray that, that where there are some that they are just in this place of loneliness right now, this unwanted isolation, their friendships, that they're weak at best. And I pray that you would show them what they could be doing, the initiative that they could be taking. God, show them who they can be connecting with. And I pray that, that you would give them great friendships. God, I pray also for every one of us that we would understand that, that God, you have offered us friendship with your son. Jesus, you came for us. And I pray that we wouldn't take that for granted. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.